Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, December 7th, 2020, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in chapter two on page 21, the second paragraph, and we're just going to read nine lines. Here is the fellow ending at antisocial on the ninth line. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service. For the 12 steps, Laurel B. And for the 12 traditions, Lindsay W. And reading the text are Leon B. and Tony A. And Nancy P. as our backup. The reference number for Sunday, December 6, 2020, special edition is 15,929. That's 15929. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Laurel B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Laurel. Okay, I will now ask Lindsay W. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, this is Lindsay W., a compulsive overeater from Houston, Texas. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Lindsay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute and once you you're done sharing, let us know, excuse me, by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. And in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on on page 21, the second paragraph. He Here is the fellow, and we're just reading through nine lines, um, ending at the sentence ent- that ends in antisocial. And I will ask Leon B. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Leon B., gratefully recovered from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Here is a fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. He does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He is seldom mildly intoxicated. He is always more or less insanely drunk. His disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature, but little. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world, yet let him drink for a day, and he frequently becomes disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. Um, 
I'm going to have to focus on this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because um, just as a child, I remember watching that, and Dr. Jekyll seemed to be this quite poised fella, and out of the blue, he would turn into this evil-looking, hairy thing. Um, and so I kind of had to go back and, and look at that because I never really watched it as an adult. Um, but apparently he was this very fine, well-respected, kind English doctor who had these repressed evil urges inside of himself. And in some attempt to keep them down, he came up with some serum that actually caused Mr. Hyde to manifest. And Mr. Hyde apparently was the physical and mental manifestation of his evil personality. And man, does does that not describe who I was in the food? And I just was, if you went to work, if you saw me at work, I was just probably the most nicest, kind person. Staff really loved me. And in my home, I was, I mean, you talk about evil. You talk about the physical manifestation of what's going on, or the, the physical, mental manifestation of what's going on internally would come out of me because I felt like my home should be the place where I could binge and do whatever I wanted to do. And if my wife or anyone else tried to interrupt that, they were going to get it. And my wife used to look at me like something is seriously wrong with you. And it was because internally I hated myself. Internally, I was disgusted with myself because of what I was doing to myself, so much to the point where I would just pick these fights with my wife out of the blue for no apparent reason just to get her to go upstairs and go to bed so I could have the refrigerator and the living room to myself. She would want to go away for the weekend. I, I was disgusted with how I looked, and I would just try the biggest fight that I could try to set just to get her to stay home. And I remember one time, I will never forget this, I picked this fight with her, and she was 13 years she had to put up with this. I picked a fight with her. She wanted to visit some of her family in Atlanta. We live in South Carolina, two hours away. And I really wanted to stay home to eat. And I turned into a major butthole. And if my wife did not load up her mother and my two children, and I stood on that porch thinking she was not going to go, and she got in that car, and she left me. And I'm telling you, that hurt me to the core. We, I pushed my wife to that point. And I can honestly say, I mean, internally, that person can come back out. That mental, sometimes I get in that thinking, thinking, and I'm not spiritually right, if I'm not spiritually aware, that little evil person that's, that's repressed can come out. But thank God now I have a way to keep these, and it's not repressed because I'm getting it out in a much healthier Time, way. Time, please. I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling. I'm working these steps. And I pass with that. Y'all have a great morning. Thank you, Leon. <clears throat> Thank you for getting us started. So, as I said, we're on page 21, the second paragraph, reading the first nine lines. Here is the fellow ending on antisocial. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So, if you've shared on Thursday or Friday, um, please hold back and let others share their experience. Who would like to share? Mm, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Go uh, ahead, Larry Kay. Larry Kay. Someone from Minnesota, Jeff. I think. 
Go ahead, please. Sandra B. Delshin B. Delshin B. Johan M. Lida C. Lida C. Roz G. Roz B. Nancy P. Nancy P. Laura L. Laura L. Okay, that's a good lineup. Let's see if um if you said your name and I didn't get it in this list, please tell me. Otherwise, please um, wait for the next group. Larry K. Delshawn B. M. Johan M. Lida C. Roz D. Nancy P. And Laura L. Did Chuck K. say his name? I did. Okay, we'll put you here at the last one on this first group. Thank you, Chuck. I thought I heard you. Okay, <clears throat> go ahead, please. Larry, followed by Delshawn, and I'm sorry, I'm messing up your names. Go ahead, please, Larry. Larry. <laughs> good morning, Katie. Not Larry, good right? Morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. And, and Leon, thanks for getting us started on this. I'm going to focus also on the uh, on the Jekyll and Hyde. You know, as, as an addict, um, I recall it, it didn't take much uh, to release the, the beast, you know, and, um, um, and my beast was, was, you know, some, you just didn't know what you were going to get, um, you know, concealment, deception, gentleness in public, like Leon was talking, but harshness in private, but, you know, th these were the telltale signs of living with me as this disease uh, uh, grabbed me by the neck and began to sque uh, squeeze. And, you know, and, and, and I'm reminded that, that all of us, you know, fragment ourselves to some degree, right? So, so we have different moods and we adjust our personalities accordingly, right? But, but what's damaging with the untreated alcoholic is our denial of one aspect of our personality while we're functioning um, under another. And, and this denial of an unhealthy, fragmented personality, it's taken to the extreme. And it leads to, you know, compartmentalizing all of my activities. In other words, when I'm in public, you know, I can only act and feel this way. But when I'm in private, when I begin to eat, um, I can do whatever I want. And, and so when I'm in public, I'll, I'll show a certain side of myself to others. But when I'm in private, anything goes. You know, and I would wear a series of masks, maybe a mask of serenity when I'm in private, but I'll rip it off and show the, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak, and show the chaos underneath, you know. And, um, and living with a Jekyll and Hyde means living with mixed messages. You know, he loves me, he loves me not, right? Except, except it's not, you know, the flower petals that he's tearing off. It's pieces of your heart. We, we, would, we would tear off pieces of of our loved one's hearts, you know, and, and living with the Jekyll and Hyde means living, living a life of secrets. No one must know your, what your private life is really like. Because when I was sober, I was a reasonably decent guy. But catch me, you know, pretty often before, during, or, or after a binge, and, and that's a different guy. And sometimes the beast would come out, and sometimes I was uh, more often than not like a turtle who hid under my shell. So you never knew what you were going to get. And what it did is I, in my addiction, I taught you something. I taught all the people around me something. I taught you to feel emotionally 
unsafe around me because my disposition resembled my normal nature little. And so you didn't know. You had to walk around like, like walking, tiptoeing around eggshells here. You never knew what you were going to get. And very often I would hide. The turtle would just kind of pull, you know, and hide under the shell and feel I was safe. And sometimes I would come out and very belligerent. But in public, I think it would really, really upset, you know, my partner, my other loved ones when they would see me in public and the accolades I would get in public because, sure, Katie, because they would think, you know, that that's, that's not the guy. See, today I can be, I can live more predictably because I'm aligned with my higher power. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Larry. And now we have Delphine B, followed by Johan M. Hi, everyone. My name is Delphine B from France. Uh, thank you so much for your service for this meeting and for, for the reading. Yeah, I would also comment on the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, piece. Um, it reminds me of uh, two or three events where uh, I was especially Mr. Hyde for my family, for my close ones. Uh, I wanted so badly people to think I was generous, gentle, open-minded, blah, 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 blah. But outside of the house, I was acting like that all the time, even though some people were annoying me or I, I even really disliked them. But uh, in our home, it was another another subject. Uh, I remember my my partner used to be the last wheel of the carriage all the time uh, because I wanted to to look generous and gentle. I spent a lot of time outside. Uh, as soon as someone asked me for help, I said yes and not bothering about his feeling and, and that I abandoned him uh, almost every evening uh, for other people, but it, it was not real generosity. Um, and so I, I made an amend to him uh, about that. And the other thing was with my daughters and my uh, stepson and stepdaughter, I remember once we were um, uh, at dinner and suddenly this crazy dark dragon came out of me and I just uh, threw everything on the table and, 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 and I remember they were quite young and they looked at me, who is this person? Who is she? And, and they were, they, there was fear in their eyes. And the last year before I... Um, I really collapsed and uh, fell into severe depression, and and that made uh, discover OA. Uh, but the the previous year before that, I remember my eldest daughter couldn't get close to me. She she didn't want me to touch her anymore because she saw me in such hysterical states. She saw this dragon uh, crazy. Uh, crying and and she was afraid of me and she 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 couldn't stand me touching her and for that also I I had to make an amend to her but what I wanted to finish on on a positive note is that now 
she's telling me that uh, I'm a role model for her because she sees that we can change. Uh, she sees that uh, uh, when you are close to your values and that when you work on on being alive, aligned to to your values and and making amends and trading behaviors, it works. And so I'm really grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Delphine. And now we have Johan M. followed by Lida C. Lida, Lida. Hi, good morning, good day. My name is uh, Johan M. I'm like a Nancy, and I'm a recovered compulsive war eater in Sweden. Uh, thank you so much for service, and thanks for the share so far, uh, and uh, the lead share, amazing stuff. Uh, this is just an amazing paragraph. I remember coming into uh, coming into the rooms and uh, working the steps for the first time, reading big book for the first time, and I remember this whole page. Uh, I was supposed to underline, you know, things that I could identify with, and I just underlined every <laughs> every single line on this page. And on the bottom of the page, I, I wrote that I could identify with the whole page. Uh, and uh, I mean, this is how it was. Um, daytime, I was showing my stage figure, uh, looking like I, you know, like I wasn't an overeater. And nighttime, I was just binging my brains out. And, uh, you know, I put on weight and. Uh, I told people, well, you know, it's because uh, I'm a connoisseur. I like food and I like good food and all that. And that's all true as well, of course. <laughs> I like all food. Uh, so this paragraph reminds me of, of, of uh, I mean, how, how, how it really was and, uh, uh, and how it was all about, all about me and getting mine all the time. Uh, but through working for the steps, uh, things changed. I uh, I recovered, uh, and uh, today it's more about others than than about me, and uh, that's a miracle. And you know, I have no interest in my alcoholic food or my trigger food anymore. That's that's all gone, and that's also a miracle. But I need to stay in the program. I need to work the program every day to the best of my ability. Step 10, 11, and 12, uh, because I'm not recovered. Uh, uh, I am recovered, sorry. I'm not cured. I'm not cured. Uh, I have 24 hours to do, to do the best to stay recovered. Uh, so uh, so that's, that's, the, that's the program today. Uh, but I'm so eternally grateful for this meeting. So I'm so grateful for good sponsorship within Norway and uh, for the guys that I get to sponsor, and for this uh, beautiful fellowship, uh, and uh, that, that there is a solution, and that I can recover, and uh, one day at a time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Johan. <clears throat> okay, Lida C, you're up, followed by Raj G. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. I'm a recovering uh, compulsive overeater in Florida. My name is Lida C. So this uh, partial chapter just really jumped out at me and it has every time I've read it, that Jekyll and Hyde. 
that they so eloquently describe with me in a nutshell. Um, I was um, professionally a nurse, am a nurse, and um, and so the, the personality I presented there and was true in my heart was just the opposite of what I presented and behind my closed doors. Um, uh, having um, adopted two children single, uh, the challenges that that, that um, uh, put on me were more than I could handle, and I didn't have the blessing of this program. I thought I had God in my life, but he was a Sunday at 9.30 a.m. kind of God, and now he's filled me with his grace, and um, love and tolerance is the code I try to live by every day. Um, the damages that have been done can't be undone, but that Jekyll and Hyde is uh, is leaving more and more every day uh, with the priority being put on um, kindness and compassion uh, for myself and for uh, anyone I encounter. Um, I'm so thankful for the 12 steps and, and this fellowship. Um, I think that's all I have. I wish I'd had this program but we know where wishing gets us. So I'll just do it today and, and do the best I can. So thank you, everyone, for being here. I'll pass. Thank you, Lida. Okay, Roz G, you're up, followed by Nancy P. Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And there's a saying, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And that was me. My, you know, uh, my moods, unfortunately, uh, dictated how the house was going to be. And I had hidden dove bars in my, well, maybe they weren't hidden, but I had, a, you know, something in my freezer, dove bars that uh, nobody could touch, you know, and I needed to have those dove bars to carry me through. And I also had hidden you know, kisses and mini, mini um, chocolates in my uh, nightstand also. But when it comes to my moods, I, uh, I was just terrible with my moods. If anybody did anything that I didn't like, you know, it would put me in a bad mood and it would affect the whole, the whole temperature of the home. And, you know, I also had raging problems and I would yell at my kids. And it was, you know, to this day, they remember, they really don't remind me of it anymore because I've worked my program and I'm in other programs too. And I've, and I've had, a, I've gotten a lot of help and I don't, I don't burst, have angry outbursts anymore, but I certainly used to. And it was a real drag when I was in a bad mood. And um, I know that um, I've changed. I, I've had that personality change that it talks about in the doctor's opinion. Because just yesterday, <laughs> I got a text. Um, I was walking along the beach having a wonderful day yesterday, and, and a text, text popped in from one of my sponsees in another program that said, I have found a new sponsor. I appreciate you. Thank you. Boom, you know. And, you know, to be honest with you, I know that the book, big book says do not do not be offended or, don't, you know, when somebody doesn't want to do the work or whatever. It does hurt. You know, I can't pretend that it doesn't hurt. And um, uh, I really wanted to lash out. <laughs> but, you know, I paused when agitated. And um, I took my time in my reply. 
And I was very kind and, and, and generous about it. And, you know, kind, I should say, generous, whatever. And um, she she texted me back and told me I reminded her of her mother. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, to myself. <laughs> but, you know, I just left it alone. And that shows me, those are proofs that I don't get lit quickly, that I don't act on impulse quickly, that my emotions are balanced because of this step work, because I'm, I'm taking God's direction in the morning, I'm pausing while agitated, and in, on the physical aspect of it, I'm eating foods that aren't giving me those highs that, you know, so I don't have jagged, time, thank you, jagged, thank you, I don't have jagged emotional responses. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Roz. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, followed by Laura L. Hi, good morning. I'm just going to set my timer, okay? Um, hi, good morning, everybody. This is Nancy P. calling from West Newton, Massachusetts, recovered today. So um, I don't know if I was puzzling anybody else, but I was baffling myself, especially regarding my lack of control, because I was always just more or less insane. didn't matter if I was eating or not. I was just insane all the time. And, um, you know, sometimes I'd get it together, enough to like live my life for a few days without alienating anybody. But, you know, I've been fired from several jobs. I felt like I didn't have any friends. I mean, I did have some friends, but they're precious because they loved me when I was really unlovable. And, um, you know, my poor family, um, it's just horrible. And, you know, I should have known um, that I was a real compulsive overeater. I mean, I've had this book since 1979. I've been in Overeaters Anonymous since 1971. You'd think that I would, you know, have figured it out, but no, um, I did not. And, um, you know, the elevator only goes down. And it wasn't until I decided to get off the elevator and surrender that, um, that I began to see the real nature of my malady. And it didn't matter. It, like, none of it mattered. Nothing mattered at all. No circumstances, no nothing. And <clears throat> I say all the time to people that call me on the phone or I've said it on the line, it doesn't matter if you break a nail or if, God forbid, you lose a child. Everything ends up up with us at the refrigerator. And I just was at the refrigerator. If I was awake, I was there, either, you know, in reality or mentally. And, um, you know... My family was, I feel like they were afraid, you know, no one said we're afraid of you, but, you know, I felt like I never was a part of the group and this is my own family. And, um, you know, once I recovered, I had some, I had some, still a tough road to hoe. I had to get people, my family to trust me and my friends to trust me. And I had to make new friends or make more friends, you know, and today I'm happy to say that I have done that, you know, my my husband, in his British and engineer way, so a man of few words at the best of times, is looking for ways to take stress off of me and helping me and, and offering me help. And, um, you know, my kids, you know, they're awesome. One of my friend, one of my son's mothers called me the other, a few months ago, and said that her son told her that he wished that she was cool like me. And I thought, she asked, she told me that she had to tell me because she was jealous. And I laughed and I said, all I can say is that you need to act like a 17 year old boy wrapped up in a 60 year old body. That's what you need to do. And, um, 
you know, today I have a wonderful relationship with both of my children and um, my husband and all my friends and the fellowship. Oh, my God, the fellowship in this program. I'll wrap up with this. Um, the fellowship in this program has been the greatest gift of all, of all of it, all of it, including my family, all of it. You know, surrender and fellowship. That's the magic that, um, that I've gotten. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Laura L. is up, followed by Chuck K., and then we'll open it up. Go ahead, Laura. Hi, uh, Laura, compulsive eater recovered in Pennsylvania. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, I can definitely say that I did not uh, suffer from chronic success um, in my disease. Um, This whole idea of this normal disposition, the finest of fellows, Absolutely was not me. Um, I always was going to be somebody, but I could never get anything done because eating was always, it became a full-time job and hating myself became a full-time job. Um, So while the world judged me by my actions, like it says in the big book, I judged myself by my intentions of what I was someday going to be. And when you have a West Point brother graduate, you know, and you're nothing and you're in the psych ward for yet the 10th time, I never could understand why my mother hated me. And I just deluded myself because I was always going to be something. Um, And this idea of being insanely drunk or tragically we do tragic things or absurd and all that stuff. Um, stuff. You know, I compulsively overate until I could not stand being morbidly obese anymore. And then I overcame my overeating problem with anorexia. And then I treated my anorexia problem um, with amphetamines, diet pills, caffeine, and cigarettes. And I kicked the darn anorexia problem with bulimia. And then I crossed the line with bulimia and became a vomiting pig. And that's just a little hop, skip, and a jump to the other side. And if you've never been there, trust me, it sucks. Um, and then I, in order to conquer my bulimia problem, I tried to use drug and alcohol um, to take away the pain of that. And then when that didn't work, I attempted to use prescription pills to take away the depression and anxiety that my food problem was causing me. Um, and that was puzzling. Like it says in the book, that was puzzling to my family. They did not get that. And my life was just like water in your hands, just running through. And I, I just could, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, and, you know, where it says, it talks about being dangerously antisocial. I didn't go to my, my very best cousin's wedding because it took me too long to try in so many outfits because I knew you could see how fat I was. And I didn't get there until three hours later. And I wasn't even asked to be in the wedding because they knew I just couldn't show up. You know, the same with my brother when he graduated West Point. I missed it because it was yet again another psych ward. Um, I missed my, my sister-in-law's baby shower because a, a suicide attempt. I was too embarrassed to even go there. Um, and just like, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I didn't, this Jekyll and Hyde thing, I could be more of that in, in, in recovery. I could be more of that abstinence. You know, and when I got absent, I had lots of problems in absence. And I know some people don't have any problems in abstinence, you know, when they get here. And I'm really happy for them. But I have had problems in abstinence. Um, I've had children problems, marriage problems, financial problems, all of those kind of problems. Um, And they mean absolutely nothing to you or to me, you know, until, you know, you go through them and then they mean something. And the last thing I'll say is that I have used this 12-step program to use the steps to pry open all of these problems that have besieged me in recovery. And I'm telling you that they have absolutely worked and changed and, and I can apply any of this to my life. And I am not so much that Jekyll and Hyde as I used to be. So um, that's all I have. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Laura. Okay, Chuck K., you're up. Then we'll open Good it morning. up again. 
Good morning. It's Chuck from Georgia. And I'll throw my hat in the ring. And this is what I needed to hear to give me the, the, the willingness to work these steps. And this reminds me of a part in, I think it's into action, where it says wives and mothers have patience beyond all understanding. And when I look at my wife and I look at the behavior that, that I was around the house, the tornado that I was, it's a miracle that she stayed with me. We've been married a long time. And I've a, lot, a lot of times I'll say I, I owe it to her because if she had treated me the way I treat her, I'd have left her. There would have been no way it would have been possible. There's another part in the back of the big book where it talks about um, we have a knack. Alcoholics have a knack of picking these wives. And I'm so thankful for that because when I'm honest with myself and how I can be when I'm in the food, when I'm not spiritually fit, it's, it's terrible. It's just absolutely horrible. I am not content even when things are going okay. I have got to have some kind of battle to fight. Even if I have, like what the reader said, I'll make a battle up. I'll, I'll purposely make a battle so I have something to feel sorry about or someone to fight against. Because I'm not okay just standing around, everything going good. And uh, a few months ago, we learned that when we were making amends, we need to be very honest about what our behavior is. It's not good enough to say, I just acted badly. I have to be very honest about it. And that really helps me a lot. When I, re when I recognize to myself just who I can be when I'm upset and I want to scorch the earth and make other people hurt and, and cause pain, that's not the way I want to be. And then the, the last part that I like to think about is my step 11 at night. And there's a question I have to ask myself. Have I been kind and loving to all? And that's the power of program because every night, just about, I think about how have I been kind to my wife? The person, you know, in the morning I think about how my life is unmanageable, how powerless I was, a lot of that. Uh, and, man and manageability was with my wife, my family. And at the end of the night, I could say, well, what did I do today? You know, how was I kind today? Was I kind today? What could I have done better? And I think that's where the real power of these steps come from. It comes from that daily redundant action of asking yourself the same question and realigning yourself with the God of your understanding at all times. And that's the only thing that ever worked with me. That's the only thing that has ever worked for me. And so, you know, I'm thankful for program, and I think I say that every time I share. But I'll tell you what, ladies, I am glad that I have a wife that has patience beyond all understanding. And I know a, a lot of them are out there, and I'm very thankful that I have found one. And it's going to take me the rest of my I'm life to my behavior. So I thought I'd mention that. And I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on page 21, the second paragraph. And we read nine lines of that paragraph. Here is the fellow through the word antisocial. So if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, if you'd like to share, please press star one and give me just your first name and last initial. Sarah R. Boston. Katie B, Sarah R, Loretta H, Melissa C, Kathy M, Sandra B. Okay, just stop, please. 
Okay, I had Katie G. I missed some names, and then Loretta. I think Loretta C. Melissa C. Kathy. Sarah R. Sarah R. Sarah R. From New York. Yes. Okay. R. S. W. Okay. Let's stop there. I'm sorry if I missed someone. Had Katie. Katie G. Sarah R. Loretta C. Melissa C, Kathy, I'm not sure, Sandra B, and Beth W. Does that sound right? Scotty okay, W. Okay, go ahead. Who W? I did not put my name out there. Beth W did not. Who is the other one? Betty W? Dottie W. Oh, Dottie. Okay, Dottie. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Okay, thank you, Dottie. Okay, go ahead, please, Katie, followed by Cher R, or Shara, I'm not sure. Hey, Katie F. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Katie G, Recovered. Compulsive Eater, and I've been wrestling with these paragraphs, and um, I have that Me Too right about um, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> but I think for me today, what I, I really am thinking about is um, what the food did for me. Like, it sedated me. It wasn't like I was this nice person when I was not eating because um, food was my solution, right? And um, I agree, like, there were plenty of weddings and things I didn't show up for, absolutely. But when I put this into the context of I do absurd, incredibly tragic things while not eating, while putting down the food, because I have a drug of no choice that I put down, and then I have a bigger problem. And certainly this paragraph is, is talking about the symptom, right, what happens when we, when we put that in. But I, I just, I needed to add that because I think my biggest struggle, right, and I've been in the room for 16 years, um, was my personality when I came into the rooms, put down the food only, and didn't have God. I got fired from four jobs in a row with the same job title at different organizations. Why? Because I didn't have any relationship skills. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was a quote-unquote manager, and I micromanaged people to the point that they went to their superiors and said, this woman needs to go, right? I could barely have relationships with sponsors, with fellows. I didn't know how to talk to people because I was so empty, and I have spent my entire life um, cutting off from the neck down with food and then cutting off from the head up with anorexia and bulimia and whatever I could do. And so what these 12 steps do for me is, yes, thanks be to God, I am not eating, I am not 228 pounds, and I am not 110 pounds, and I don't have peach fuzz or the hips of a woman with, who's 67 years old, right? Um, but, but the steps have transformed me, and they continue to challenge me and transform me on a daily basis because I have a personality problem because you know, lack of power is my dilemma. And no matter how much I want to be a kind, patient, tolerant, loving woman, that's not what comes naturally to me. And thank 
God for these blessed steps that are raising me the way I needed to be raised, that I get up, I get on my knees, I talk to God, I make amends when I mess up because I don't know how to do life. And so much of this paragraph to me is talking to me about I don't know how to do life because I'm a human, but I'm an addict. And thank God I can transform one day at a time with all of you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Sarah R., you're up, followed by Loretta C. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Sarah R. from New York. Grateful, grateful, and blessed to be in this program one minute at a time. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, I should identify as not, hi, my name is Sarah. I'm a compulsive overeater. I should, I should identify as, hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Dr. Jekyll. I'm Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, compulsive overeater from New York. It's it's crazy because you know, hearing everybody share, I'm a very kind person, but I think that it's my coping mechanism to be extra kind because outside, when I'm in my addiction, I, I I'm Mr. Hyde. I like my family hides when they know that I'm coming home and that I don't have my supper prepared, I will rage at anything and everybody. And, you know, I used to think that it's, it's their problem, right? Well, the people I got angry at, but it, it, it's always me. I would get so angry and I just rage. And you know why? Because what, what, what's the drug doing, right? It's the solution to every issue in my life. So, when I would go on my crazy binges, there was nothing in the entire world that could satisfy me. I would binge on things that are disgusting, that tasted like sawdust to me, but because I wasn't trying to satisfy, it wasn't the food. So no matter what, I would go to the most expensive restaurants and buy the fanciest steak, but it can never be enough. It can never be enough because it was, it was the solution that I was trying to find, you know, whether it's with food, whether it's with anger, whether it's, it's with anything, because as a compulsive overeater and undereater, anorexic and exercise bulimic, I'm just, I don't know how to deal with, with what life throws at me. You know, they always say when life gives you lemons, like put some, like make it into, like put some tequila and sugar and turn it into a mojito. I would rage. I would rage at anything and everything. But then I would be Dr. Jekyll, like every charity, every, everything, like everyone knows they could rely on me. But outside of that, and I couldn't understand why people were running from me, like as fast as they can. I was like, I'm such a good person, you know? And then of course that helped the victim game and the blame game because it's all them, not me. I'm such a good person. But, you know, sitting here day after day and hearing everybody share and you know what? I am a good person outside of my addiction and how, how blessed and grateful, you know, someone shared before that they always feel the need to add blessed and grateful. I, I feel that way too, because who am I without this program? I'm just Mr. Hyde, compulsive overeater from New York. So thank you all for allowing me to be Sarah outside of Mr. Hyde. And with that, I pass. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, Loretta, I think Loretta H. Um, it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. And then not everyone's going to get a turn. I'm sorry. I, I added too many people this morning. 
It is Loretta H. Thank you, Katie, for your service and everybody who saved my life every single day. Loretta H. recovered today. And I like, he is seldom mildly intoxicated. Um, He is the fellow who is so puzzling, especially in his lack of control. And I always call myself, when I was in the disease, um, the box of chocolates. You never, ever knew what you were going to get. One day I could be a really nice person, and the next day I could terrorize you to death. And my poor husband actually... um, had to live like that. We've been married for 50 years, and I've been with God, only with God's grace and the work that I've done and these steps, recovered or out of the food at least for um, 19 years, which is, it has, what a difference a day makes. And the reason I came into these rooms was um, my father was dying out in California, and he was the alcoholic in our family. And he Um, wanted to make amends to me for his alcoholism. And I couldn't show up because I was in the throes of, by this time, I couldn't stop binging. And the six months before he died, I was in the throes of this disease. Like, in fact, at the end, I was suicidal. And he died without me showing up. And it really, really, and I firmly believe um, that he actually brought me here because he could never, ever recover from his alcoholism. And he knew that he didn't want me to suffer like this. And um, after he died, I met my first Ebby, and she actually was a dietitian and came to my home and um, helped me with my food plan. But only, only, and, and, as other people talked about, I had many days of not being in food because I'm also anorexic. But those were probably more torturous than being in the food because the anorexia especially is very powerful and it was my solution. I finally had control over something. I finally, finally could show you that I was this woman who didn't eat. You know, the ego, the ego, the ego. And today, I don't ease God out with the ego. I have my steps. And yes, my life is not perfect. But with these steps, I can actually um, live in my life with some grace. A wretch like me, a wretch like me can live in this life with some grace. And today, um, I have this beautiful life and a wonderful marriage and wonderful relationships with my family only only because of my God who saves me every day and working this program because without it, I'd be back being that box of chocolates that Time, goes down in that box of chocolates. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Kathy. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York, and you know, um, I think unlike, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, who became a monster when the substance was added, I, I think my family around me sometimes was like, would you just eat? Because I was worse. I, my behavior was worse when I was not eating, when I was, like, trying 
to use all my willpower, all this human power to not eat. And and so um, they had like a small little window of when I was my best, you know, and it was probably right when I took like uh, my first bite, you know, because then I was sweet. The edge was, was like, you know, ah, I took the edge off a little bit, but, you know, three bites in, I'm the most antisocial person ever. I want everyone to disappear. But, you know, I think about it like I would have um, twice a day, like major temper tantrums. And one, it was first thing in the morning, I would come downstairs and I would like start throwing things like, you know, putting the pots and pans away, like angrily. And, you know, it was because I hadn't eaten yet. And I was trying to face the day, um, you know, with, with the hope, because every morning I woke up swearing that I wasn't going to do what I had done yesterday again. And so I woke up angry because I couldn't imagine how am I going to get through the day um, without the food. And then, you know, and then again, they would get another temper tantrum when I first came home from work. Um, because I had like somehow managed to suck it all up and, and put on a good show for my workplace, for my professional life, for the outside world. But I would come home and I needed to eat. I was dying. I needed to eat. And I would throw a temper tantrum. And oftentimes, I think my husband would be like, he would just hand me something, you know. And it wasn't because he didn't love me. It was because he wanted to be able to live with me. I was I was unbearable. And, um, and I think that's what it means when they say we cannot live with the food and we cannot live without it. Because no matter which way, um, it was unpleasant. It was difficult and it was hard. And... Um, you know, I, I wish I could say that I never throw temper tantrums. I've definitely gotten much better, you know, that I have a program, that I have another solution rather than lash out at my family or or turn to the food. I have a, I have a relationship with my creator, and I have a fellowship that puts me right back into that relationship with my creator. Um, and, and that's that's what I need because that's why just putting the food down for someone like us, for someone like me, isn't enough. Because I have all of my time, please. Come rearing up. Thank you. When I put the food down, thanks. I'm with that. Okay. Okay. Thank you, um, Melissa C. And Kathy, you have less than a minute. Do you want to take that minute? I'll give you a minute. Uh, Kathy M., compulsive overeater from Bridgewater, Mass. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. All right. Um, I didn't think, and I only have a minute. I'll be quick. Um, I didn't think I could identify with the uh, with the reading today, and that um, when the woman shared about how she was a screamer, you know, that was me, and I didn't think I was a screamer. I was just just justifiably venting, but um, I met a um, a neighbor of my friends, and I said, oh, you know, how do you like, you know, how you know so-and-so? And I said, oh, yeah, they're nice people, but boy, are they screamers. And I said, wow, what did my neighbors think of me? And, uh, um, you know, I was the I was the AA angel and the, and the home devil, and, and I didn't know it. But, um, you know, through the steps, I, I, I've learned to uh, um, uh, look at my uh, my personality defects and, and, you know, and, and when those emotions come up that, that I used to scream over, I 
I, I use the steps and I ask for help and, and I use the tools that I've learned in this program. And, um, you know, today, you know, today I don't have to vent anymore. Today I can just ask for help and, um, and uh, live a, a balanced, uh, um, useful life. So um, thank, you for, uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much for taking us out, Kathy. Um, okay, and thank you to everyone who shared this morning and all the service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID, ID for today, December 7th, is 15933. That's 15933. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Tony in, please, Read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. My name is Tony Ann A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.